Hello, welcome once again to a Westworld podcast, Bullets, Brothels, and Bots. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how are you, sir? I am well. And in the state of New York? This is Mike. Mike, how's it going? I'm fine, Phil. How are you? Uh, good. Before we get into our episode, a couple of house cleaning things. Uh, first off, uh, Eric, you do three other podcasts. I do. One of them is a general interest podcast that I record edit, and produce myself with my co-host Dan. It's called the Scancity Podcast. That's spelled A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it on Stitcher and on the iTunes store. Uh, the other two are directly related to this one. Uh, this podcast that we're doing now, Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, is a spinoff of the mother podcast, Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror, films, fiction, and all that's fantastic. Uh, we started doing that a little over five years ago uh, and have since spun off two other podcasts, this being one of them. The other one being the Game of Thrones podcast that we do while that's on the air called You Know Nothing, Jon Snow. Yep, very good. And Mike, you too, a genre book. On occasion, it's uh, Unnatural Selections, www.unnaturalselections.com. And you do uh, those two podcasts, uh, just Dark Discussions, and you know nothing, John Snow, as well. Uh, that is true. Yes, yes it is. Well. Excellent. Um, I, um, for me, I actually uh, have a new book that came out about two months ago. Uh, it's called Se- Pentagonal Sextet. Uh, it's five stories by six different authors so each author has five stories with a total of 30 stories in the book i have five of those stories it's a short story collection of uh, genre fiction from mostly horror and sci-fi i actually wrote one techno thriller in there as well and it uh, includes authors uh gregory l norris who uh, wrote a number of screenplays for star trek uh voyager uh, Eric S. Brown, uh, known for the Bigfoot Wars uh, series, as well as uh, having that being made into a major motion picture starring C. Thomas Howell. And then uh, D.B. Poirier, E.G. Smith, and Sarah Fowles, uh, the three other authors, uh, along with uh, myself, Greg Norris, and Eric S. Brown. Uh, folks can find that on any online retailer, uh, specifically Barnes & Noble and Amazon, just search for Pentagonal Sextet, S-E-X-T-E-T. Uh, also, uh, if you listen to this podcast and you're interested in meeting me, this weekend I will be in Haverhill, Massachusetts at the Haverhill Public Library between 10 to 4 with a number of other uh, authors, including uh, some big names in uh, genre literature. That uh, would include folks such as Christopher Golden, uh, Brian Keene, uh, Paul Tremblay, James A. Moore, and uh, various others of note. Over 30 authors will be there, uh, including uh, Scott Godsward, who is uh, the head of the New England Horror Writers Association. Um, and he has both fiction and nonfiction books, including uh, horror uh, sites in New England, uh, a book that he has out there, as well as uh, horror sites in Florida as well. So, folks, uh, if you want to join us, I uh, will be there this Saturday. Uh, let's see. Any news or updates or anything that anybody wanted to bring up about uh, um, Westworld or anything of that nature? Or science fiction in general that could relate to this? <laughs> nope. 
All right, very well. Um, so, uh, Actually, I, guess- I, w- I would like to uh, mention something that I think of it. Okay, because this is a Westworld. This is a, a series that deals with uh, the human relationship with technology. Um, I just finished watching the last episode before the third season of uh, Black Mirror, which is available on Netflix, which is a BBC show. I've talked about that before uh, on our parent podcast, the Dark Discussions podcast. But if you haven't heard that and you're listening to us again here for the first time, I would strongly recommend checking it out. It's um, an anthology series. It's only right now uh, 13 episodes long, and there's going to be a new release of the new season on Netflix coming this Friday, which will add six more episodes to it. So it's only really 19 episodes long. Um, but I strongly recommend anyone who's interested in science fiction and this whole idea of playing around with humanity and our relationship with technology, check it out. Excellent. Very good. And uh, once again, that's Netflix. Uh, the new season, you said, will come out on the 21st of October, which is Friday. All right. Very good. Um, now, with all that stated, uh, we uh, have a new episode of the Westworld television show on HBO, Originally, an uh, idea created by Michael Croydon. Uh, this episode is the third episode of the season called The Stray. Uh, it is directed by uh, director Neil Marshall, known for uh, Game of Thrones episodes as well as uh, the cult film Descent, among a few others. Um, it was written by Lisa Joy Nolan and Daniel T. Thompson. Daniel T. Thompson uh, the Norwegian spelling S E N. Uh, he is known for writing various, uh, stuff for, uh, the Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. And, uh, believe it or not, uh, he, uh, he, he was part of a new Melrose, uh, reboot that never materialized. Uh, but otherwise, uh, I don't know too much about him, but, uh, he did do a lot of, uh, Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. That was uh, last, a good show. I was bummed that they canceled it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it just didn't get uh, an audience, right? It, pro- it probably no. was is expensive, and they just, for some reason, it didn't catch on. Which yep. is, uh, it may have, you know what it was? Eric, it probably came five years too early. Could because, be. Probably. Yeah. Uh, but if it came later, then Lena Headley wouldn't be on Game of Thrones. True. So, so I guess there's a silver lining. Yep, that's right. Good point. Uh, and, uh, last week's episode, Chestnut, uh, it said, uh, received 1.5 million, uh, U.S. viewers in, at least in the U.S. of A. Uh, The Stray, episode three, is to be determined. Uh, since it just was released yesterday, the numbers are not out yet. And those numbers include, uh, those folks who watched the show immediately during the hour whether they watched it right from the beginning or picked it up 30 or 40 minutes within, um, such as on HBO Now or HBO Go. I find that um, kind of a, a significant drop because it didn't have $3 million the first week? Uh, no, no, believe it or not. Uh, week one only uh, had uh, $2 million, 1.96. So, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, so it dropped by 25%. All right, uh, so that's not yeah. so bad as I thought. Because uh, yeah. the only person I know at work who watches it is considering dropping it because it's not going fast enough for him. Hmm. Well, and this week didn't help. <laughs> no, this, it did not. This most certainly, uh, even though it is Neil Marshall uh, that directed it, 
however, the writer, Jonathan Nolan, who wrote the first two, um, d- did not write this one. And as a result, I would think uh, that you, Mike, and you, Eric, are probably thinking how I do, which is this may be the weakest of the three episodes so far. Uh, yes, I would agree with that. Yeah, it's also the one, and I don't know if this is the reason for it, but it's the one that had the least uh, amount of uh, involvement by the gunslinger or the man in black. That's true. Yep. He really only appears in flashbacks. Yep, that's true. Yep. Um, and it gives us information that I f- – well, that's not that's useless, but actually I, that I fear might end up – I'm hoping it doesn't. I fear they may have told this too much about um, what's going on behind the scenes. Okay. Okay, um, uh, but, we'll discuss that in a moment when we, we throw up the spoiler. Uh, also, I think another issue with this past week's episode was they didn't have enough of uh, some of the the characters that run Westworld. Uh, for example, um, uh, the woman who is the head of Westworld, uh, the COO, I, I guess is what she would be. Um, Teresa Cullen, she, she was barely in the episode. Um, and when she's usually on, uh, the story seems to progress better. Simon Quarterman, who plays Lee Sizemore, he, I don't think he was even in the episode. Um, well, that so, guy's annoying, so I didn't mind that. Well, that's a fair point. Uh, <laughs> speaking, speaking of, uh, the Teresa Cullen character played by, uh, Sidzi Babbitt Nudson, we do have an email, a very short email from one of our listeners. Uh, a Danish listener from Denmark who listens to us from Denmark. We've seen him a handful of times on the Facebook group, and he was a listener of the Dark Discussions podcast, so uh, he just uh, came on uh, to this podcast. And uh, he has an interesting thing about uh, that actress uh, that plays uh, Teresa Cullen, because Teresa Cullen, um, the actress that plays her, is of Danish descent and is a Danish uh, citizen and still, I think lives in Dan- Denmark. Um, so let me uh, find the email here and, uh, all right. It's from, uh, uh, Yannick Hansen, or if we anglicize it, uh, Janik Hansen, Janik uh, Hansen, Janik Hansen, uh, Janik Hansen, uh, writes as follows. Hey, thanks for starting your Westworld podcast. I really liked the first episode. However, I feel like I will go nuts if I can't at least try to guide your pronunciation of the actress that plays Teresa <laughs> Cullen. Uh, I uh, say it does Americans butcher pronunciation of stuff. I guess so. So, uh, uh, yeah, I think we've all if we just read it as on the page, it's Sidzi Babbitt Nudson is the name. However, uh, this is what he has to say. He goes therefore find. My att- attachment uh, attached my Danish pronunciation of her name. And uh, there's an attachment of a M4A file. I know it was an, a type of audio file. So what I'm going to do is forward this email to Eric, because <laughs> Eric can always do these things. I've got the magic hookup. He does. The real um, mystery at the heart of Westworld, dear listeners, is why Phil just didn't send it to him in the first place. <laughs> that, that is a really good qu- point. Mike. Tune in next week. Why did he even try? So uh, I have sent it. So uh, Eric, whenever it's over there, just let me know. I'll let you know I got it. All right, there it is. As for me, I can't even use my voicemail at work. All right, so uh, Eric, let's hear that. I think I heard it in the background there. I was trying. Let's see if it works. 
Sisse Babette Knudsen. Sisse Babette Knudsen. Okay, Sisse Yeah, so it's going to be tough for us. So, Yannick, uh, I, I apologize in advance because I'm going to continue to butcher it. Yeah, I, I would like to apologize too. Uh, and Yannick. actually, I'm just going to call her Teresa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that's that's a fair point. I'll just continue talking to calling her the actress that plays the COO. So it's a. Uh... There you go. Uh, so yeah, so that's what we got. Uh, uh, thanks, thanks, uh, Yannick, for. Uh, uh, send it in an email. Thank uh, you for the valiant attempt at correcting us Neanderthal Americans. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, tough uh, tough to remember that. Well, why don't you people just get a decent language in the first place? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. That's 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 bad. That's bad. Uh, Hans Christian Andersen is one of, one of the greatest writers of all time, and he he wrote in that language. So they're all Swedes. That's not that's not my fault. Anyway, all right. So uh, that's that's pretty much uh, the background of uh, the episode, and also uh, the email that we received. We always would like to have more. It's at darkdiscussions at aol And speaking of that, uh, you can find. This podcast under www.darkdiscussions.com because, as Eric stated earlier, it's a sister podcast to uh, the original podcast of Dark Discussions. So uh, both on Facebook and Twitter and email and the website, it's all darkdiscussions.com, Dark Discussions podcast, Dark Discussions 1 for Twitter, and darkdiscussions.aol.com. Right. It is a little embarrassing that our first email on this podcast is correcting our pronunciation of the actress's name. It's just... Why are you getting embarrassed now? We've been screwing things up for over five years. True, true. Well, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm not embarrassed about screwing it up. I'm embarrassed <laughs> the fact that it's our first part, uh, email is just not even anything nice about the part. Just this is this is the pronunciation. Thanks you us. fucking idiots. <laughs> okay, that's true. I'm talking about the audio. <laughs> that's now, what I meant. Uh, Fair enough. All right, so uh, let's get into this episode. Uh, so before we throw up the spoiler alert, uh, I guess we can discuss what we felt about it. Uh, obviously, it seems uh, that we both, all three of us were a little uh, disappointed. Um, Mike, you started off by mentioning that one of your coworkers is, is possibly going to drop uh, the show. Yeah, because he didn't find it moving fast enough for, you know, it's just a little bit too... Too slow, too drawn out. Uh, with, uh, they refer to it as uh, decompressed storytelling, uh, and that it's taking something that you used to be able to tell in one ninety-minute movie and turning it into a ten-hour odyssey. Well, uh, I don't know if I agree with that statement. I think it's a little bit different than what they told in that ninety-minute story. Oh, I, I agree with that, but I don't. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure what he was expecting out of this series. And I think if you are a person of a certain age, as this gentleman is, uh, that if you hear they're doing a Westworld movie, you expect it, a Westworld TV series, you expect it to be more like the Westworld movie, as opposed to, say, someone who is under a certain age, who didn't even know there was a Westworld movie, <laughs> and therefore had no, didn't have those preconceived notions. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, it is. And it is dragging it out. Like the, I would hate the. I mean, I'm. They do have to start cutting to the chase soon, right? They have to start putting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have agreed with this person's statement at the end of episode two, but I might now at the end of episode three. 
Right, because you have to start getting the human guests in jeopardy soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, I mean, started this episode, kinda. I mean, you uh, you have to do it. I think by episode five, otherwise you're really just kind of dragging it out a little bit too much. I would think. Mm. Um, I might be wrong. They might find a way to keep the wheels spinning in an interesting way for a little bit longer. Uh, but really there was nothing of, uh, well, a lot of our important characters were, or sidelined. Now, of course I say important characters, but only had two episodes. So who's to say who our important characters really are at this point? Well, I'm um, I, I, sorry, Mike. Yeah, go ahead. Cat just vomited. Awesome. Um, <laughs> anyway, what was I saying? God, vomiting is quite distracting. Um, I think that, I mean, you, you were correct, Mike, that they signed line some characters, uh, this episode. And, you know, they did that in Game of Thrones as well. However, they waited three seasons before they started doing that. Um, and I think that's an important distinction because I think it's a little early to be saying, Oh, you know, that guy you know, we'll just set him aside for now. Um, cause we're still trying to get a familiarity with all the characters and what they're about. Uh, it's a little too early to uh, to stuff some uh, out of certain episodes yet, I, at least in my opinion. And, and it depends on uh, what your definition is of uh, Lee characters. That, Mike, you, you mentioned uh, that we, you know, we don't really know. I mean, this is obviously an ensemble cast. Uh, my opinion, based off of uh, readings prior to this series start, was that uh, Evan Rachel Wood was the actual lead. Um, or at least one of the, the the main leads. But based off of this episode here, even though we we lost a couple of characters uh, to have a lot of story, meaning that we focused on some of the lesser characters like the the um, security guy and the the quality assurance girl and stuff like that, uh, we did have uh, Evan Rachel Wood uh, play a lead role here. Jamie Jamie Wright's character played a pretty big role. Uh, and then I think they focused a lot on James James Marsden's character. Oh, Tom, Tommy. No, James Marsden's character. Is that Thomas? No, that's Teddy Flood. Oh, Teddy. All right, I knew it was a beginning. T. Okay. Yeah. Teddy. Yeah. No, that's fine. So, um, so we know, did so have think- a few. But Mike, Mike, before you say that, the one other thing that you mentioned too, Mike, was yeah, exactly who's this series for? Then, if fans of the original movie see this. They're older and they're going to say, well, this is, isn't like the original movie. And then millennials or younger people who would watch this would say, this is way too slow for me. I want, you know, stupid TV like many millennials happen to watch. Um, so I I don't know who this is really for unless it's just for science fiction geeks or Michael Crichton geeks maybe. But anyway. Well, I think it- I'll actually say the millennials will probably be more used to this type of storytelling because they've kind of grown up with it or at least some of the younger millennials um but right like if we look at it we're still like we didn't have william and whatever his name was his his uh future brother-in-law until the second episode um uh you mean you mean william and logan william and logan right so they weren't even in the first episode and we're and i kind of i kind of like those characters i kind of like the characters that we focused on the first two episodes more than the ones we focused on generally in this episode. But, you know, it's talking about the the uh, the Hemsworth character uh, and then the other tech that were there uh, who were yeah, tracing. Elsie Hughes. 
Right, and they were focusing on them. They didn't get a chance to, to get their spot the first few episodes. So this could still be sort of an introductory sort of thing, getting us to know the entire rounded cast. It's just that I didn't find this part of the cast, or you know, or at least their characters, all that interesting, because they're certainly not compared to the ones we looked at before. And that also goes to uh, to Teddy, right, the the James Marsden character. So. I didn't find his storyline all that compelling either, especially since we know it's an artificial story. Yeah, no, that, that's a fair point. I mean, uh, it is a pretty large main cast, so it has a very large main cast, like uh, another HBO series, Game of Thrones. Uh, and all these people that you mentioned, the Elsie Hughes character that plays the tech, uh, the Hemsworth character that plays the security guy, and the James Marsden character that plays the... Um, the gunslinger robot, uh, they all are part of the main cast. So maybe, maybe they're just trying to fill out these stories as well. And by doing that, they, um, took away screen time from other members of the main cast, which may have, uh, made a blip in, in enjoyability, maybe. Yeah. I mean, we didn't, we spent, uh, what was her, Maeve? We spent time with last week. Uh, I certainly found her a more compelling character than, Teddy. Well, and that, and that story was was a lot better too. I mean, right. because of so, the interest of how she wakes up and all that stuff. Right. So honestly, I think uh, Neil Marshall's talents were way wasted on this particular episode. I think they should have given him a better episode. Yeah, because he does do action well. He does do big well, scope and scale. I don't know if they wanted him for uh, the one segment that was a borderline horror film. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, if, but if so, I think that that was too small a section of this episode to dedicate him to. But again, you're looking at Neil Marshall as um, an important director. He may be an important director for horror geeks, but maybe he's no better than or worse than all the other directors that do Game of Thrones or um Westworld. So yeah, but Game of Thrones has held him in reserve to do some really, really good episodes, right? So like big episodes and important episodes, and well, they wouldn't do that if they thought he was just another director in their staple. Yeah, but but as Eric stated, um, we I think we all agree that the Blackwater episode was phenomenal uh, for a number of reasons, including um, uh, the screenplay, but. I know Eric, for example, wasn't too fond of the Wall episode, and that was really the only other episode he did for Game of Thrones. But so it was but, an important episode. But it was an important episode, right? And it was a big episode. So they, you know, they chose him to do that for a reason. You know that he didn't just. This wasn't just a case of uh, he was the next guy in the rotation. You know, they handpicked him for that, and a lot of people did like the Wall episode. So, um. All right, uh, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to – maybe I'm playing devil's advocate, just stating that maybe Neil Marshall is a good director, but he's no better or worse than any of these other guys is, is my original point. Blasphemer! Just just uh, throwing it out there, just throwing it out there. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, well, and the reason I say that is because, you know, everybody makes a lemon. You know, and not that this was necessarily a lemon, but – you know, it wasn't up to to talking yourself I, I, into a corner, Phil. No, I'll, I'll, I'll state this. I'll state this. A lot of people 
aren't really that big fans of any of his movies except for The Descent. Because all his other movies, you can argue, are just average films. So it really Mass comes fever. down to it just comes down to the descent and Blackwater as his two achievements, which are both excellent. However, everything else is just okay. I haven't seen Centurion and Doomsday is mixed. Yeah, and and that wolf one too. Uh, the what's dog the, soldiers. Hello? Yeah, that, that was okay. Right. Was okay. I, I don't think it was anything spectacular. Well, you're wrong again. I don't anyway. anyway. So, uh, regardless, we're, we're wasting a little bit too much time on Neil Marshall. I, I don't think Neil Marshall is the problem with this. The problem with this is is that not enough happens in the script to move things forward. We now have had three episodes of watching Dolores wake up in that scene. So some of the stuff is starting to get a little bit too rote. And I don't want to be doing ten episodes of seeing somebody pick up the can of condensed milk. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, 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 that, I see your point, Mike. Uh, but we did find some interesting things about Dolores, uh, which is she probably wasn't raped by the man in black after all. She was just probably – She was probably – yeah, all right. Let's, let's throw up the spoiler. We'll just go ahead and boom. <laughs> it, she was probably just ripped to shreds because she had a map or something under her skin similar to the, the, the dealer, the poker dealer. We don't it's, see it. It, it, well, it, we're, probably, we're probably going to see it. It's just that we haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Um, so, I, I didn't get the sense that she wasn't raped. I'm still on that whole raping thing, that she was she was traumatized. That's something he'd said he'd done before. So, Well, I, I, th- I think he, she would be traumatized by having her head chopped off so she could so he could see oh, it. Well, that's fair, yeah. Skull. You know what I'm saying? So, so uh, either way... Yeah, we don't know but yet. But all he wanted was to chop her head off. Maybe he wouldn't worry about her fighting a little. Um, so anyway, uh, it's... no, no, he he may he may like them fighting back while he's chop it, sculpting them. Yeah, but if he's done this before, how many times does he have to scalp her? Did he forget? Did he forget to photocopy the map the first time? No, this was a flashback. This was the flashback to the first episode. Well, I understand that, but he we said he done we, it. We still don't know what he did to her. Right. The implication, uh, though, is that he'd done it before. Oh, oh, maybe. All right. Maybe. I, I see your point, Mike. Uh, yeah, well, we'll find out. We're going to find out soon. I, I think there's going to be more filling in to see that, that what, what, well, whatever happened anyway. And I'm thinking now that it was a red herring, that it was a robot rape. But we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, I mean, you have a good point there, Mike, that, no, maybe maybe it still was, but I don't know. Um. So, uh, what's, what we want to start with? Um, I, I, I guess, yeah, well, let's continue talking about the Dolores story then, right? because, I mean, we already started talking about her. Um, so, yeah, she keeps on waking up, uh, but slowly is gaining more and more remembrance, similar to the Thandy Newton character. She remembers uh, that she got attacked by... The, the man in black, she begins to remember various other things. Um, and she, her, her storyline is, is, uh, branching off from its usual thing because she is now, um, saying stuff like, I want to, you know, go out in the world and, and find a, a new life and get a, you know, like any teenage girl or, or, co-ed girl that says i want to leave you know the rural town that in vermont and and head out to the big city and become a movie starlet or a businesswoman or a astronaut or a model or whatever right 
you know, so that's a huge branch. Um, I'm thinking, Eric, that now the whole thing is a ghost in the machine and that there is nobody behind this except because we learn about a new character that is our, that's dead. I think, I forget it. Alfred, maybe the guy's name is. No, uh, it did start with an A, but it was not Alfred. Um, it was Arnold. Arnold. Okay. So basically Arnold was a co-partner with, uh, Dr. Ford or Anthony Hopkins character back in the day when Westworld was first created. And he was trying to make the robot sentient uh, or learn whether because he thought it would be streamline the, the whole system or whether he was just a kook and he wanted to make intelligent uh, beings or, or not a kook, just a curiosity. And based off of what Anthony Hopkins kind of said to Jamie Wright, it makes it sound like there's a ghost in the machine with code that was written by uh, Arnold that may still be in there that is changing the robots. And oh. I was curious about that because the, so I, I was beginning to think Jeffrey Wright may have been the character that was actually now behind this whole thing after all, even if unintentionally because of you know how he's talking to Dolores and so forth. But then. Well. Yeah, go on. Okay, ahead. go ahead. No, finish your thought. Oh, and I was just gonna say, but then they threw the ghost in the machine Arnold thing in this storyline. Well, and they did, and I'm uh I have a bad feeling they might be getting uh a little uh losty here for lack of a better term. Um and trying to put too much in the kitchen sink. Um so I don't. I think he's part of it. I think he's an influence on it. I, I don't think he's a plotter. Um, and I'm almost positive that he's human at this point uh, because of the story with his son. And uh, although they do have backstories, but uh, I, I think he's human. Now, there's other things that are talked about. I do think you're right about the, the drop line about Arnold's code. Uh, but I think that's an, uh, an assumption uh, on the part of Bernard. And based on, I don't know if you caught the next week on Westworld uh, thing after the show, did you? Yes, I did. Okay. Um, there's, there's a line from Anthony Hopkins in that where he says, stay out of my way to somebody. Um so I think that whatever is happening, it's being done by him on purpose, but I still don't know exactly what the intent is. So you think the Arnold story may just be a red herring by Anthony Hopkins to trick us as well as uh, the Bernard character? I think uh, if they're smart, the Arnold story will get fleshed out a little bit because they intentionally leave it vague in this episode. Uh, Anthony Hopkins says that he died, and he died in the park. Uh, he doesn't exactly say how. He just said they called it an accident, but it wasn't. Right, and, and accident could mean um, murder. It could mean robot. Suicide is the could, is the implication I got out of it. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. Uh, could even been murdered by a robot. Maybe, maybe. My my suspicion is that this is tying into the incident of thirty years earlier. Right. Um, and I've I've got a bad feeling that we're going to go off and find the wizard through the maze and find uh, Arnold sitting in the middle of the maze being the one who's orchestrating a lot of this stuff. And I'm really hoping that's not the case because it's... E 
even if Arnold is like a, a hologram or something. He could be a ghost. You see what what if Arnold is it, a polar bear or a smoke monster? Yeah, I don't care what Arnold is. If it's Arnold that's doing it, it just... It's just it just it gave us a mystery, set up a mystery in the first two episodes, and this just kind of said, "Here's the answer to the mystery in, in big bold letters." And I'm hoping that it's not the the answer to the mystery, is what I'm saying. I don't care what form he takes, right? I don't care how they explain how. Well, we thought you were dead. It's like no, I uploaded my consciousness into this machine, whatever it may be. I'm just hoping it's not that because that kind of takes the whole mystery out of the mystery. Sure, sure. At it kind of remi- reminds me of uh, like maybe it's going to be like a Lawrence Olivier from um, that uh, that oh shit that Gwyneth Paltrow film uh, with the blimps and Sky all that. Sky Captain. Yeah, Sky Captain. Exactly. Well, I needed to take a better look at the photograph of uh, Anthony Hopkins and his buddy from back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and by the way, if they had introduced that before they'd introduced the mystery, if they if they had simply started off with, you know, these were the two guys who founded Westworld and one of whom is no longer with us, then I, my mind wouldn't have raced to this assumption because I wouldn't have been looking for it when they put that in there. There wouldn't have been a mystery there, right? So the missing background wouldn't have been quite as obvious. Anyway, it's I, so they show the flashback and they have – uh, the young person whose face was digitally removed and they put Anthony Hopkins' face on him yep, to make right. him look younger. So yep. I'm curious to look at the photograph um, and to see if I, you know, who the actor is who is playing his friend. Is it somebody that we know? Oh, right, right. So like uh, Chris- Christopher Walken from Sleepy Hollow type of thing or, or uh, uh, Space... Or, uh, uh, the guy from Seven, um, or Kevin, Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey, uh, or well, since it's an HBO show, maybe I don't know, uh, Steve Buscemi or something. You know, it's just somebody who might end up being closer to Anthony Hopkins. Uh, well, actually, Steve Buscemi would be much younger. Um, yeah, but somebody who would be closer to Anthony Hopkins' age now. But um, anyway, so I'm curious to see who who it is that's playing Arnold because I'm pretty sure we'll see him by the end of the season. Hmm. Right, right, or whatever form that he did. He may not even be an actor, like we said. It could for, be, for a minute, yeah. I had a thought it might have been Ed Harris, <laughs> but I realized that Ed Harris wouldn't be – Ed Harris's approach to this world isn't that of a of a creator who's playing with his toys. Right. Right, he's playing in someone else's playground and trying to figure out how they made it. Right, yeah, yeah, or or, or – he knows, like you said, about this Arnold person who's at the end of the maze, and he wants to get there because that's what will be the gold, you know, the treasure at the end. Whether it's uh, bring, you know, uh, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, maybe um, uh, corporate espionage where he can grab something and bring it back to a competitor or the Chinese or, or whatever. Um, so it'll be curious. The longer we go, the less I think that's a possibility. Interesting. So you're thinking that? Then what do you think? What's going on with the Ed Harris character in the maze? Because I, I don't know, but I'm pretty I'm pretty certain it's more personal level uh, and not corporate espionage. Uh, that's fair. So well, let's talk about the maze a bit, even though it wasn't too much about it here. Uh, it's alluding to it in the the trailer after 
Um, and we know Ed Harris has been going for a maze for, for two episodes now. Um, if it's not something like that, which you're hoping it isn't, Mike, what do you think it would be, Mike? Do you have any guess? I have no idea. I'm just hoping that he's not going to find Arnold. That's all I'm, that's right now, that's all I'm hoping. Okay. No, that's fair. All right. All right. So, um, what else do we want to talk about? Arnold, the ghost in the machine, and all that. Anybody? Any Anything further? I mean, we may think of something as we're going, or it could relate to something else within this episode, but anything specific right now? I'm not a fan of the whole Arnold uh, backstory. Um, like Mike said, it was it was missing from the beginning and dropping it in there is just kind of cheap. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, it is like a do ex machina in a sense because you know, so out of the blue, we suddenly get this new thing, and uh, you know, I mean, obviously it's the third episode, so I guess it's not as drastic as say if they brought up an Arnold, you know, season two, episode eight, but it's still was a left field it came out of left field and it also still felt too much of a typical trope that we've seen somewhere in the past where you know you have two businessmen or two inventors or two supermodels or two something and one of them uh you know or two twins and one of them you know disappeared you know what i'm talking about and we've seen that before and i i guess you could argue that this arnold thing could be similar to one of those things it's, it seems, uh, for the amount of effort they're putting into the series and making everything look good, um, it seems awfully lazy, like awfully lazy story writing. Yeah, I, I would agree. Again, I think if Mike's point was if they had brought it up right at the beginning, maybe they started the whole series with a two-minute flashback of these two guys, Arnold and, and a young Anthony Hopkins, it maybe it, it would have felt as out of left field as as it did, right? So because well, right now, because when you drop it in in the third episode after having not mentioned it and having introduced a mystery, it's this is a clue, you know. That's this is what that feels like in big, great big bold letters. Whereas if right. it was just part of background information in the first episode, it's it's color, you know, it's texture. That may be a clue or maybe not. So uh, I don't know, and it's also not something we haven't seen before. So that that concerns me a little bit, but right now we, it's really easy to read way too much into that. Uh, well, well, let me ask, ask you this, Mike. Uh, it, when he was talking to Bernard, Ford was talking to Bernard and bringing up Arnold. It made it look as if Ford didn't know anything about Arnold, but I, I would think such an invention as Westworld, everybody would know the backstory or at least some story of these two inventors slash doctors slash scientists that had created this in- incredible uh, world. Well, Hopkins does drop a line, uh, something along the lines of um, when when a legend or uh, when a story becomes a legend, you 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 write the legend, um, something hokey like that. And I, he basically implies that everybody knows Westworld is the thing that. Dr. Ford invents, so he doesn't bother uh, to correct anybody. But you know what? It's it's almost like Microsoft, right? You have Gates and, and uh, Paul Allen. Uh-huh. And every, everybody knows Gates. Everybody knows Gates. Right. And some people know Allen just for the fact that he's still a big, big businessman and he owns some major 
uh, sporting teams. But if you say, who's the inventor of Microsoft? Everybody's going to say Bill it's, Gates. Right. So I can see that. But someone who works for the company or is as smart as they try to portray Bernard as, you would think he would know both Bill Gates and Paul Allen. Right. And that's that kind of left me a little bit confused or, or you know, eye roll when, when when this scene came up even more so than well, bringing it out. You know, at the same machine. time, though, Bernard's significantly younger than, than uh, Dr. Ford. Um, so he may not have that. I mean, if you subtract 30 years from Bernard's age, how old is he? Probably 80s. Yeah. yeah, 20s. You think, yeah. you think he's 50? Well, he uh, could be 50. I'm saying he's at that 20s would be the oldest. I'd push it. Well, yeah. Uh, so yeah, my, he's so anywhere my between point between 46 to 56, I would say. I'm pretty sure that when when Westworld came to be, he was unaware of it and a young person doing young person things. Um, so he might not know the the backstory. That's all. Yeah. yeah all right. I, I mean, I guess that's possible. That's possible. It's just that. Um, you know, we especially if they, especially if they don't like tell you that during, you know, orientation. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I guess I, I just, I just look at it as such an important scientific creation that even the lesser known person would still be remembered by someone in Bernard's spot. You know, well, at the same time, though, it's it, the way uh, Doctor Ford tells the story. He makes it sound like uh, Arnold's death was something of a scandal um, and something to be ashamed of and, and perhaps something they want to hide from the public uh, and therefore is hide from as many people as possible. Yeah, no, that's true. And, and to be honest, we don't know how far Arnold went. I mean, he, he could have died before they went public or, or before they announced. Yeah, that, we, look, I, look, I, I yeah. have a feeling we'll hear more about the Arnold story. All right, At least enough. we fucking better. <laughs> All right. So, so any further things on the Arnold story, or are we are we carrying on too long? Anybody? I'm good. All right. All right. So, Mike, Mike, uh, where did you want to go next? Uh, what about the Stray? Obviously, this is a obvious title, right? The Stray. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a very literal thing. We have characters in search of of uh, their identity, and you have this character literally going off on a search. Um, so it's a little on the nose. Uh, who, who's the, who's the character you were referring to? I'm just talking about the kook, that robot that just kept on walking away. They're, all of them, right? All these characters are in a search for themselves, a search for their identity. I'll and, see. Okay. So, so Mike, you're saying stray. I see. I was taking stray as literal, which is it's, it's the robot that was. I, I am, that, my, my, that's my point, Phil, is that he's a literal manifestation of what everyone else is going through. So it's a little bit on the nose as that, right? That everyone else, that he's physically wandering in his search where others are doing more of an internal search. Um, and we don't really get what he's, we never, he never reaches his destination as far as we know. Um, I'm glad they confirmed that it was, it was Orion because I couldn't tell which constellation it was, um, that he, he had carved. I thought it looked more like Ursa Major myself, but. Then yeah, so to the other way. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, it's um, yeah, I don't, I really don't know what to make of it because I didn't find that story because I don't, I didn't find the two techie, I didn't find uh, the the two characters all that compelling. Right, I didn't trying, find they were trying to do a banter thing and it really wasn't working. 
Yeah, though, I'm sorry. Maybe it was the writing. Maybe it's the actors don't have chemistry. I don't know what it is because they've been fine up until this, but I think they're they're filler characters. They're characters who round out the universe. I don't think they're characters that I want to, at least right now, spend a great deal of time with. Um, I I I'm curious about Elsie's character. I think she should. I think uh, she could be interesting. Uh, but I don't like the pairing of her and whoever that other dude was. They, they're just stupid. The security, uh, guy, the yeah. guy that, that runs security and Ashley. Yeah. Um, so, so for me, it's, it's an interesting idea, but it's, we already know that robots are malfunctioning. He didn't malfunction in a way that I found particularly compelling or interesting. We didn't get any sort of real hint as to what the constellation was referring to. Um, unless it has to I, do with, I, I don't think the constellation had a significance in and of itself as far as which constellation. Uh, I think the significance was that the the robot just of its own volition decided to go off and look at the stars, and it wasn't supposed to do that. Well, uh, well, that's a fair point because I I know she took the turtle because it was a tur- like a a stone turtle that he carved um, Orion in. But there was a bunch of other little statues in his tent, too, the robot's tent, too, that had other constellations or other markings. And we I think really... they were all the same constellation, though. Oh, okay, okay. All right, that makes more sense then, Mike. Thank you for bringing it up. So, I think. I'm not positive, but I think. I don't know, I don't know if the constellation, if the, the, the turtle symbolism is important for anything. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm really not sure. Uh, it's... I didn't have time to to do my homework and look up what turtles could have symbolized. Right, right. I, mean, uh, I do know you have like the turtle creation myth, the idea that the the world is riding on the back of a giant turtle or something, but I, I don't know that that really has anything to do with it. <laughs> sure. So, so again, Eric had a good point too, which is was the Orion just happened to be the the main constellation in the sky, at least in. New York and Massachusetts and New Hampshire and probably out in where you are too in Michigan and where this is Westworld, which is probably Nevada or something. So maybe it was just something the robot shouldn't do, or maybe it is deeper symbolism that we're going to figure out uh, as we go. Um, I don't know, um, but either well, way, you compare the... his his malfunction to the one in the first episode who went nuts and shot up the bar. That's a far more interesting malfunction. <laughs> right? Right. And it, it, and it feels like, from a narrative point of view, the malfunction should be escalating. And as malfunctions go, there should have been, like, the, you know, the step back. You know, this should have been the, the sick triceratops in Jurassic Park. Right? That eventually will get us to, you know, the breeding raptors and T-Rexes and other things. You know, it's just... It's it. This should have been an early step, not two episodes in. We're dealing with somebody who just goes wanders off. Yeah, that would that would have been. Go on, Mike. He did try to kill what's her face, so I guess he's got that going for him. Well, 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 did he though? Well, that's what I was about to ask. First off, um, yeah, this would have been better as maybe the first robot that goes kooks. You know, so like in episode one, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Um, Second. curiosity is is that he was shut off but he still came back uh woke up he's the, he's the second robot to spontaneously awake from sleep mode 
Yeah. And then the third thing of interest is, was he trying to kill um, Elsie? I think that's her name, right? Elsie. Mm-hmm. Um, or did he want it suicide? Or was he trying to kill Elsie and he can't because robots aren't supposed to kill humans and therefore he just, he, he malfunctions and kills himself? Or did he want to kill himself? And Eric, you were thinking that he wanted to kill himself while Mike's saying that he may have uh, wanted to kill Elsie but couldn't therefore kill himself. Well, uh, yeah, it's hard to say. Um, <laughs> I thought it was pretty spectacular, though, when he started smashing himself over the head with the rock. Well, and he, yeah, I mean, it's it was confusing because he could have killed or attempted to kill um, the security guy, uh, mm-hmm. a- Ashley, I think the guy's name is, um, but he doesn't. He just not forces him away, and you could argue that he didn't want to kill him, and he was just trying to get out of the pit. Or you could argue that he was trying to run away because he didn't want to get taken out by Ashley. And then when he gets out of the pit, I was curious too, which is, did he really want to kill Elsie? Or did he, and he couldn't, and therefore he killed himself? Or You know, the more I think about it, I think that's the that's the correct answer. Uh, because he did, he picked up the rock and he does turn towards her, um, which would be pointless if he just wanted to hit himself. We can go into uh, another plot line. Um, do you want to discuss? Well, no. Wait, let's talk a little more about about the stray itself, right? Because we were discussing how he cracked his head open and stuff. So, I, I, it'll be curious if they skip it next episode and not really talk about the stray because you know like game of thrones can sometimes does that and other television series do that especially in these ensemble casts but i i would i would like them to at least try to figure out make it a, a top priority i guess oh they're definitely going to try and figure out why the hell it did that uh and i think the fact that it, that it came out of sleep mode spontaneously is going to catch their attention too uh, the question is whether they're going to tell anybody else about it, and if they do, uh, whether those two uh, jackasses from the repair lab uh, are going to tell them what happened with the uh, Thandie Newton bot. Right. right. And, yeah, and actually, I man, I hate to backtrack, but this was actually the storyline that sort of had me thinking, because when they're talking about how the hobby was the thing that they built the entire personality around, like, you know, they had the because they had the hobby of the, the whittling, the carving, right? And for around that, you build the backstory, and around that, you build the character, and that that is actually something that has me a little suspicious about the Jeffrey Wright character, because his his entire character is built around, uh, or seems to be built around the death of his son, right? Right. Well, and and I, I hear what you're saying, at the same time, that. Uh, it seemed weird to me that if he's a robot, that he would be having that conversation with the with the woman via video chat. Gina Torres. Yes. Um, and, and that's that's one of the things that started to throw me off. But they have. But again, if you're trying to, it's, it would be it would be overly elaborate ruse, I imagine. Um. Well, and but 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 they but yeah. they do have like they do have Dolores talking to her robot father, right and. They have all these characters, the, the character robots interacting with other character robots to maintain that illusion and to practice and becoming more human themselves. 
Well, right. and, 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 and that leads completely. to the whole question of if he is a robot, is everybody a robot? Because then that means that everything in, you know, uh, corporate Westworld is designed to keep the illusion afoot as well. Well, I mean, he just could be, what's, what's her name again? Teresa? No. Uh, who? The COO? The, the COO. Uh, her name's Teresa, yes. It is Teresa. So, I mean, he could just be Teresa's most expensive sex toy. Um, <laughs> See, because I thought that she was a robot. I thought Teresa's uh, a robot. Teresa so, so, right. I, and, I don't and, know what what gave me that suspicion, but it's there. Well, again, and I'm at the point, and I think this is intentional to some degree. Um, I, I And I've said it the last two podcasts. There is nobody right now that I'm – other than the two guests, uh, William and, what's it, and Lucas – that I would say is completely above suspicion. However, there's not a single one that I'm even close to putting money down on and saying, nope, that one's a robot. What about, right. what about, um, what about if what Eric said, uh, everybody's a robot and this is the future and humans are dead and is, and everybody's just a computer or, and I'll even go further. This is just a virtual reality world, um, or something. And See, that'll be the big I, twist at the I, end of the whole s- series. That would be stupid, and if they do that, somebody deserves to be shot. Well, well, yeah. I want to, I want to uh, point. I, 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 I possibly agree with you, Eric, but uh, I want to point out because I know some of our listeners and dark discussions. Whenever me, you, or Mike uh, mention a movie, they'll write it down, and, and some of them will actually go and see it. And I want to throw out a movie um, that came out at the same time as The Matrix, but faded out quick because it didn't have any big stars necessarily, and. It um, was overshadowed by the Matrix, uh, but it was called the Thirteenth Floor. I and, saw that. Yeah, yeah, you can find it everywhere: VOD, disc, whatever, Blu-ray as well. Um, and anybody who watches this show here, Westworld, should may want to check it out because uh, it is interesting. But again, it's more virtual reality than um, robots. But um, I could see them going that way what happens in that film. The thing is, as, there's there's too many moving parts here for it to be VR with the people that can get shot and can't get shot and the different storylines. Right. I, I, I just think it's way too complex to be VR. Yeah, like I just read a um, read a hypothesis about who the, the man in black is and it just seemed, um, because it requires having multiple timelines going on, and it just felt like someone was trying way too hard to figure out something clever that nobody else had thought of that just would really not make any sense because um, they were thinking that what if the man in black is in fact the character, you know, a guest to the park 30 years ago and we're seeing him in flashback. And oh, he, that's his, interesting. Uh, yeah. But, but, but if you look at all the multiple parts that are overlapping, um, I, I think, I, I just think that that, would be way too complicated. Well, that's a good point because they even reference the men in black and they reference things that happen immediately. Like he just wiped out a whole town. Right. Which yeah, we just yeah, saw on screen. Exactly. It, it, and, and so it's just, to me, it's, it, it's just, you can't go full Occam's razor on this. Meaning you can't just say the simplest explanation is going to be the right one because it is a, an artificial story and complexity is built into the story deliberately to keep us a little bit off the, the scent. So it's not necessarily going to be the simplest. And in fact, if you've watched enough crime procedurals, the one thing you know is that the person who is the suspect at minute 30 in the, in the episode is never going to be the one who actually did it. Right. Right. Um, but that said, that's just 
going way too far. Um, there is a simpler explanation, and the sim- that would make sense. And the simpler explanation is simply that we need more evidence to figure out who he is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's going to be um, one of those storylines that they're going to slowly. I mean, it, it's it's on purpose. It's intentional. It's one of those things that a mystery, and they want people to talk about around the the water cooler. I'm guessing. Right. Um. So. Well, all right, all right. Let's let's um, discuss um, some of the other stuff. Then uh, I guess the James Marsden story, um, the Teddy story. Um, well, I want to talk about uh, Wyatt. Wyatt, uh, and that's Wyatt. And, that, and that's related to the Teddy story because oh, uh, right. that's yeah, it, that's right. his new backstory. Um. So T- Teddy is basically called into. Uh, well, Dr. Ford, uh, has a little conversation with him. Um, well, and uh, I'll mention something here too, which is, this is another reason I didn't enjoy this episode quite as much, uh, is I, I found Dr. Ford's behavior to be contradictory, uh, in that, uh, in one scene, he's telling Bernard to remember that they're not real, they're not human, uh, and, in another scene, he's yelling at a tech that covered up one of the robots. They can't feel shame. You know, they can't feel cold. They don't feel anything. We don't tell them to feel and then cuts one with a scalpel, uh, to prove his point. And yet he is sitting there having a conversation with Teddy, uh, about what does Teddy think? What does Teddy feel? And well, guess what, Teddy? You don't get to do that and blah, 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 blah. I found, I found that very, uh, contradictory to the yeah. rest of his attitude during the episode. And it bugged me for whatever reason. Um, Mike, I think that's fair. That? I think that's a perfectly fair point. I think that is, it was a weird thing. It's as someone who sat down with the, uh, wild Bill Hickok, uh, model, or at least that's who he's based off of, you know, who's like, looks like, you know, the, the, uh, host 1.0 from the first episode. And and had a drink with him and and showed all sorts of affection to him. Um, it, that, yeah, that was a really weird thing. And the truth is, um, if I'm working on my on sculpting my male bot, I don't want to be necessarily look having his junk in my face. So <laughs> it, it it doesn't necessarily have to be his mod, you know, be the robot's modesty. It could just as well be the modesty of the the artist or, or the the mechanic or whatever he is. Well, and isn't that that Asian guy that was the, the quote-unquote tech or mechanic or whatever he was, wasn't he one of the buffoons from the the Sandy Newton scene? I think he was. Might have been. Uh, oh, you you know, you might be right. You know, and I, so I'm thinking I'm thinking these guys are probably – this guy is probably known as, as a buffoon or something anyway. And, and this is just Hopkins bullying him. Um, but again, yeah, you're right. I mean – it wasn't a necessary scene unless they were trying to make a point. And what it does is what you said, uh, Eric and, and Mike, you agreed, which is it kind of confuses the Hopkins character because it makes, it's a contradiction. Well, it is. And at the same time, maybe it's intentional uh, because maybe he doesn't want anybody looking too closely at the robots uh, because he is intentionally trying to get them to become sentient. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. 
So with that stated, I I, I think Teddy's new backstory, um, I think well, not necessarily Wyatt himself, but uh, his Wyatt and his uh, group of whatever the hell you want to call them, uh, <laughs> I found very reminiscent Banditos. of the. Uh, I found them very reminiscent of uh, the Reavers from Firefly, uh, and kind of also reminiscent of uh, the Troglodytes from Bone Tomahawk. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's fair. Um, I, I could see either of those references. Uh, they, I've, I, to be honest, I've seen this type of type of uh, quote unquote bad guy or monster or whatever you want to call that type mm-hmm. of uh, thing uh, in a lot of stuff. Um, they're, you know, they're just basically the goons for uh, Wyatt. And they, I mean, you know, they, I guess, but they're more sinister than, say, the ones that you would see in, like, a, uh, Indiana Jones because, you know, they're, they're, we're actually seeing the blood and guts. It's not the PG-13. Uh-huh. Um, go on, Mike. Well, am I, did I miss something? Was I, am I wrong in how I read this? But when they get uh, Teddy, uh, uh-huh. surrounded and Teddy spinning around and shooting uh-huh. in all directions. Yep. None of them fell, right? Right. I found that interesting myself. So, uh, so either they're either the part of the storyline is that they're uh, they they can't feel pain, um, or they're guests. They're, they're human. Yeah. 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 And you know what if that's you know. Sort of the appeal of these characters, right? Is of this of this storyline is you get to be the monster. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, that's an interesting one, Mike. Well, and it would also it might be a reference to a line dropped earlier by a different character. Um, oh, damn it! I don't remember this guy's name. Our actual guests. What are their names? Uh, Logan and William. Logan right. and William. Okay. Uh, Logan when, is the is the prick. And yeah. William, William is the nice guy. So in in town earlier, when William uh, saves uh, Clementine, uh, and then meets up with Logan, and decides he wants to grab a wanted poster and go after an outlaw, uh, Logan says something like, "This this is junior varsity shit. I'm wearing for the storylines that are the real deal," uh, and perhaps that was a reference to. Uh, what Mike just suggested. Oh, you know what? I see. That's a good point, Eric. But I, I got that more as um, he just wanted to uh, get laid and drunk. And he, he didn't want to waste his time because later on, they're out in the middle of the desert, him, Logan, and, and William. And he goes, man, this is boring. We should have been done what I wanted to do, which is basically hang out at the brothel. and, and Well, uh, yeah, and... and- <laughs> <laughs> that also, I mean, that, that that's, I mean, I think that's a more likely possibility uh, because he's been presenting himself as this uh, badass who's done it all and seen it all in Westworld before uh, when really it just seems like he just wants to drink and screw. Uh, and really, where's the adventure in that? Uh, you don't need to go to Westworld for that. You can do that in real life. Well, you, you know what, though? In his eyes, I think, for example, if you go out into the, Woods fighting or a desert to find the desperado. 
it's you know it, that doesn't happen immediately. At least it appears that these storylines don't happen immediately. Where mm-hmm. you would think you would think they would tweak it. So if someone goes out, it, it would happen within you know a couple of hours. But it appears no, it's more like real life where you have to go searching and all this. And this guy's bored as hell. While if you stay in the town, he can shoot and kill everybody. He can get laid continuously, and he can drink continuously. And well, so he's getting all three of the, his kicks because it's a villain. And here's, here's, the, here's the other thing, which is that maybe it was supposed to happen already uh, because when they go after the stray, they find that group of guys sitting around a fire that have been stuck there in a loop uh, because the other guy was supposed to bring back wood if, to cook dinner, and he never did. No, so they're all yeah. just sitting there bitching about how hungry they are. So maybe yeah. those guys were supposed to show up already, and they hadn't, which is why start the story line are so bored. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. see, if the if when he's saying that you know the real shit's going to happen later, I have to take it at the you know at the writer's word that they put that in there. If it was just that he wanted to hang around, get drunk, and screw, um, yeah, then they wouldn't have to add that line in there. And I kind of look at it as again going back to a. a a video game role playing game sense is that uh, Logan's been there before. He's leveled up. Oh, oh, but Mike, he may know about the bank robbery that's going to happen, or the oh, right, and he, the know, and he knows there's yeah. right, and 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 William is basically he's the new player, and he's having fun just kind of running around killing the rats to yep. get up to you know second level, third level, whatever. <laughs> he's he's leveling up, but eventually you get tired of that shit. And you don't want to deal with that crap anymore. And I think that's where Logan is. Right. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah. And, and is that he doesn't want to deal with it. He did this shit. This is beginner stuff, and he did it before. Sort of like, I want to go on Small World and Disney World. It's like, I, I did Small World. I don't want to go on Small World again. It's a lame ride. But if you've never been to Disney World, you kind of it's, a, it's one of those boxes you have to check. Right. Yeah, it's the bucket list. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Like, so I, I just want—I just want to go on Space Mountain, or I want to go on—you know—I want to go to the big rides. Fuck this little penny ante bullshit. So it could be one of two things, and it could be he just wants to uh, do the gunfight stuff in the town because it's nonstop action because it's people everywhere, or it could mean that he wants to get laid and drink, or it could mean all three while heading out into the woods, even if it or desert, even if it's should have happened immediately if the loop uh, didn't happen because of the wood thing and all that other crap. It's still work, right? Because you have to go out, you got to get on a horse, you got to go out there, whatever, whatever. It takes a half hour to get there versus just pulling out your gun in downtown Westworld and, and start shooting people. Maybe. I don't know. It's, I, but I think your, your point is, is fair, Mike. And we got a rookie and we got a veteran and the veteran is saying, thinking, yeah, you don't want to do these things. These are stupid. This is right. this is this is the rookie stuff. This is the rookie right. wants to be the sheriff and go out after the desperados. It's like, uh, yeah, but here's the thing, though. He's kind of being a dick to his friend because uh, his friend has never been here before, and he should remember what his first time in Westworld was like. He did have um, a good point, though, Eric. Forty thousand dollars a day. We're doing this. Forty. Where'd you get that number from? He said that. That's said, yeah. It's forty thousand a day. That's yeah. They mentioned, they mentioned the first a number. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He, he goes. We're out here for forty thousand dollars a day when we could go back in town and, and actually be doing something. I I missed the number. I thought it was a vague lot of money. 
Right, and uh, they did clarify the relationship because he's not his friend. He's his future brother-in-law. Yeah, you're uh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because and... he, even says, he even says to Clementine, the prior episode, he goes, your friend's having fun with the other girls. Why don't you have fun with me? And he goes, uh, and he says, that's... Uh, he He's not like, exactly my friend or something. Yeah, 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 you're, right, yeah you're right. Exactly. Yeah. So my guess is this was something like, you know, my wife, my my sister's marrying this guy who's kind of a, a loser. Or no, let's right. let's 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 take him out and put some hair on his chest. You know, it's uh, <laughs> right. Let, right. let's let's make him grow some balls. Right. Um, at least that that would be my. That's how I kind of interpret it. So yeah, they're not even friends. Right. Right. Yeah, all right, so that makes sense. Um, but let's let's continue with that story because there's an interesting thing, and I kind of alluded to it last week, where I said that I think uh, William is going to hook up with Dolores, and they're, those are the two that are going to be the the couple for the remainder of the season. And based off of what we saw here, that's possible because she runs into them in the woods. I mean, into the desert. I keep on saying wooded because I'm from New England. Uh, the desert. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's immediately like, all right, I'm here to help you type of thing. Right. While, while Logan is like, oh, it's just another robot. Who cares? I can find a, a, a pretty robot back in town at the brothel for nothing. Right. I am not jumping to that conclusion, but I'm not going to say you're wrong either. Mike, what about you? What do you think? It's it's a possibility because they did have that moment where they interacted. Um, yeah, earlier. The, right. the real question is, what is the destiny for um, Dolores? For Dolores, and is it you know good person, bad person, well, that, freedom gives, fighter, rebel, gives a, murderous gives a great segue bitch. to what the hell's happening with Dolores? Yeah, that was my favorite part of the episode, and you know it. Anytime Evan Rachel Wood is on screen, it's my favorite part. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I had to say a Phil line. Come on. <laughs> well, because so, I liked I liked the way that it was edited. That you didn't really know always what she was saying and what she was remembering. Right, right, and it totally messed with your head, and it's clearly messing with her head too. Um, but the big takeaway here is that uh, when uh, Teddy, <laughs> I'm trying to keep track of all the character names. When Teddy tries to show her how to shoot a gun, she's like, I can't do it. Uh, and then later on in the barn, she has a gun and she shoots the dude. So clearly, I don't know if she's programmed to not shoot a gun. But if that's the case, that's been worked around, um, which leads to other interesting possibilities. Because I believe that the gun that she dug up at the end of episode two, uh, pretty sure that's not a park gun. That's going to be your real live bullet gun that can kill guests. Right, and a lot of people seem to be on that same page. And and I like the way like she finds it in the drawer, then it disappears. So she clearly had found it in a drawer in, in a previous iteration. Right. And then I I kind of saw once she was in backed up in the barn that she was going to be grabbing the gun. Uh-huh. That she had buried it there. Now, the one thing I was unclear of, I, I thought I knew, but I wasn't 100% positive. The guy she shot was a host, right? Yes. 
Um, yeah, it was the yeah. same host that that uh, the Man in Black shot in episode one. Okay. Yep. Now the question is whether. Uh... <laughs> well, and here's the other thing that I don't quite understand. I don't understand. Um... Oh, it wasn't the Man, I... Man in Black. It was it was Marsden's character that shot him in, in episode one. Right. I just wish, and it, first of all, it would make a lot of sense from a. A, an immersive reality point of view that there there would be a way for the guests to identify who the other guests are so you don't accidentally shoot someone who is a real human being or put an axe in their skull yeah it, and it would well, also just and it, was, it would also make it a little bit easier for the audience who's still trying to catch up with who all the, the characters and who is real and who isn't right right yeah would, I'm, I'm still confused if the people that escaped when the cult, uh, the Wyatt group killed Marzen's character, the, you know the girl from uh, the Hallows and and the Elevator movie Devil, she she happened to be here and she escapes. I'm still confused if she's a host or a human. Are you talking yeah, about I mean, sharpshooter. Uh, yeah, the girl. I, I don't know what the her one name with the, is. the one with the rifle. Yeah, yeah, the one that was with Marzen's character. Yeah, she's she's a robot. Is she? How do you know? Is, isn't she the is she? Uh, I was under the impression that she's a revamped version of the sharpshooter we saw in the big saloon scene in the first episode. No, I don't. I thought she was. I thought she was a guest because she runs off. Isn't she the one that runs upstairs with the uh, with what's her name, Clementine? Oh, okay, good point. Yeah. So I, and, I was... and, the, and the sharpshooter from two episodes ago, her face was all fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and and the sharpshooter was a bad guy, wasn't wasn't he? Well, yeah, but but they've been redoing the hosts. Like they pulled a whole bunch to redo do that stupid storyline that never got done. They can they can change oh, how they look. And, oh, it's it's a, it's a different you know. actress. Uh, this um the, because we see the sharpshooter, the blonde sharpshooter, the, the Norwegian actress. We see her mm-hmm. being repaired in this episode. She she has a small cameo for like a minute in the background. Oh really? Uh, I totally yeah. missed that. Yeah, so it's and she's okay. in it and she's already dressed differently too. She's in a uh dress like Dolores rather than than leathers and 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 stuff like that. So, so I was right and I was wrong simultaneously. So she was recycled and turned into a different character, but it wasn't the one you were talking about. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So it's yeah, so it's two different actresses. The the actress that plays the the one that's friends with James Marsden that Mike thinks is a human. Uh, she's the gr- woman, she's an Australian asterisk actress that was born in S- Serbia. Uh, yeah. I forget her name. It's, it's a real Serbian name that I can't even pronounce. But, but, um, for, for new listeners, uh, just so you know, the ability to identify the nationality and origin of all actors is Phil's superpower. <laughs> true, true. This is true. Phil is ethnicity man. It's called Omnimastics. O-M-N-I-S-T-A-S-T-I-C-S, I think. I'm still going to call you ethnicity, man. M-O-O-N. It's how you spell Omnimastics. There you go. That's awesome. But That was good. But, Mike, so you're basically believing the same thing I am, which is she's probably a human then. Right. But, again, really give them a badge or something, some little... Something to just let us know, or an armband, or something that, or you know that, right? Yeah, these were people. 
I think in the premiere episode of this podcast, I even mentioned that about the original movie, which is, okay, the guns may not kill people, but yeah, what happens if they get a, a knife? Dab each other right, strangle yeah. each other. Yeah, uh, Mike even <laughs> said the axe. You know, I mean, you could take well, an axe. Especially, really since, since, you know, two, especially since two of the worlds are when you were medieval world and Roman world, and they weren't shooting each other. Yeah, that's a good right? point. You know, they, they, yeah. their prime method of killing each other was stabbing. Yeah. Or bashing. Yeah, so that makes, yeah, that, that's a really good question. So that, this is a, a quote unquote flaw of the whole story. Yeah, so, uh, it just would make it a lot easier if we, if for the audience and within the logic of that world, you know for legal reasons, right, that if they, no matter how many waivers you sign, if one guest accidentally ended up stabbing another in the skull, you know, there would be a legal investigation, there would be lawsuits, and you know they would be suing them. And if you said all they had to do was wear a stupid little hollow badge that said, you know, that identified them as a guest, that never would have happened. Right. Well, at the same time, though, um, in the original movie, as well as, uh, actually, it hasn't been implied here yet, but uh, in the original movie, remember that Japanese guy was trying to make it into the park with his father's sword? And they're like, no, oh, yeah. you can't, you, you can't take that in. Um, maybe there's something special about the edged weapons in Westworld. Um, but you know, at the same time, you could I, doubt, yeah, you all, could, I doubt all the fucking rocks are special. You could bash somebody's head in. So yeah, could, yeah, concussions, brains, bladder, who knows? Yeah. yeah. Either, either way, it's, it's definitely a, a, uh, uh, I guess a issue that, 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 is Only for thing. uber geeks like us that sit around and think about this shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, what the hell do you think of something like Westworld is made for? I mean, it's... Yeah, okay, that's a valid point. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, uh, yeah, so so the Marsden character may have been killed by more humans, we're thinking. I mean, because, yeah, maybe... That, I like your idea, so, Mike, which is... It, it was... it was a, It's actually a scenario where uh, humans can be... The bad guys, the desperados. Well, I'm sorry, I need to circle back around because I was trying to make this point to begin with, and we got sidetracked. Um, how do the how do the Westworld guns work? When a host shoots another host, do they end up with a bullet in them, or is it just special effects? Because I know, like, like when uh, when William gets shot in this episode, he ends up with a bruise on his chest, so something actually hit him. But it didn't kill him. So uh, my my question is, if if uh, Dolores had a real gun with real bullets and shot that host with it, when they go to repair that host, are they going to notice that anything was different in the way it was shot? That's a good question. I I work under the assumption that, and maybe and that's a bad assumption. Um, that when well, they're firing some sort of a a soft slug, right? That they're firing uh, something akin to a paintball okay. pellet, which stings if you've ever gotten shot by one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So it hurts, but it's certainly not going to kill you. All right. Uh, but it's not something that splatters and gives you lime green paint. Uh huh. So yeah, and we saw like this blue gray powder when the the man in black got shot last week. 
So it's like a, really rubber, it's a rubber bullet or something, and yeah, the robots are programmed to, that. to bleed if one hits them. That would be my guess, or or perhaps that the guests have different guns than the hosts do. But what if you grab one that the host dropped? Yeah, well, bad idea. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll, I'll stop. I, I just had that thought cross my mind. That's all. Well, I think the smart thing was, yeah, we. It, it drives us nuts because we're looking to understand why it is. But I think that's in some ways the smart part for them is to not even address it because magic. then it gets because then it gets to work by magic. And they say, well, we never explained how they worked. And if we never explained how they worked, you can't tell us they're working wrong. <laughs> it reminds me of the episode of The Simpsons uh, where Lily, Lucy Lawless uh, did a guest voice and she was at a convention and uh, as Xena. And all the nerds in the audience go, can you explain to me why, how in episode 193, uh, uh, Xena had the such and such when really she didn't discover it in, in the timeline until episode 202? Uh, and she's like, yeah, anytime you notice something like that, a wizard did it. <laughs> and the next person goes to ask a question. She's just like, yeah, wizard. It's all uh, magic. I mean, see, that's uh, there really wasn't a whole lot else that was going on in this episode. And oh, I, I yeah, there was there was. Let me let me throw this one out. Um, even though again, it's not really much because it just uh, reminds us of something, which is Dandy Newton sees James Marsden's character. Um, and has a flashback. Has a flashback of him dead in, uh-huh. in, in that right. um, that pool. Uh, what is a clean room? Cleaning room. Um, and I thought that was interesting, but they didn't really go anywhere from there. Well, not yet. Yeah, but well, I'll tell you what, though, if I if I okay, if I for all I knew went to sleep one night and then woke up, uh, in the cleaning room or saw the cleaning room and didn't know they were robots, I uh, that would flip me the fuck out too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like I, I mentioned last week, Eric, when you brought it up. I said, yeah, it's almost like a concentration camp type thing. Right, right. You just wander into this room, and there's a bunch of dead bodies in a room all being hosed down. It's like, what the fuck? It is disturbing, uh, no doubt about it. Um, what about uh, another interesting thing uh, was uh, Clementine's character. What did you guys think of that when she was rescued? Uh, do you think anything came of that, or was it just to, to continue the story or get I, her character more involved? I, I don't think she was involved on purpose. I think it was happenstance, uh, and I think the robot reacted the way it was supposed to. All right. What about Anthony Hopkins throwing a shot out at Jeffrey Wright about his son, his, the death of his son? Um, I... Uh... You know, I, I, I can't think of a good reason for him to have done that other than to just uh, get him to him shut place. the fuck up and stop asking questions. Yeah. And, and actually, Eric, that was when um, uh, the Norwegian actress was, was being reprogrammed to play a different role, as a matter of fact, because they okay. crashed off to her uh, another room during that scene, by the way. It was just an interesting okay. thing. Um, yeah, so you could be right, Eric. It was just a way to shut him down. I also thought it could have mean something like, I know what you're doing. 
Anthony Hopkins knows that he's talking to Lo- to Dolores or something like that because he keeps on talking to Dolores and asking these weird questions and then saying, uh, don't tell anybody, Dolores, that we're talking. Yet maybe Anthony Hopkins knows because he has access to all the robots. You know, he's, he's right. the back door. And, and this is him trying to say, I know what you're doing, hint, hint, you know, because of what happened with your son, hint, hint. Yeah, I think he he has an idea. If he doesn't know exactly what's going on, I think he understands where his sympathies may be lying. Right. Um, and it's clear that there's empathy created between Bernard and Dolores. And that's sort of the, the overarching, the, the bookend scenes. And, you know, we're, you know, could you, would you get rid of those memories if you could? And you said he wouldn't because that pain is the, the only thing he has left of his son. And it's the memories that are of that, are going to inform the eventual lives of these characters when they wake up and have not help us when they do. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. I mean, I mean, what the, you know, what, assuming that the Jeffrey Wright character is human, um, this also could be a setup for when the, they go ape shit, the robots go ape shit that Dolores will say, no, he's one of the good ones. Well, he has a choice, right? She's suffering in her own way. Yeah, because she can, and all of the the robots in theory are suffering because they can remember what happened, right? And right. they're remembering the trauma they're put through. And he has a choice to shut it down, to stop it, to relieve her pain. But he asks her, "What do you want?" She says, "I want to be free." You could interpret that in any number of ways. Does she want to be free from the pain and from the memory and all this stuff? That's or does she want to be free from the world that she's in and from think, her programmed think- life? I'm thinking of the world she's in, or or if we look at it as a human, similar to what I said earlier, when she's talking to the James Marsden character, I want to leave this place. I want to go, if, you know, I want to be an astronaut, you know, she, applying that she wants to be an astronaut or a model or an actress or a, someone right. that goes to the big city, you know, to do something more with their life than just or, this. Or maybe she can farmer. enter the, the great world of data entry. That's right. That's right. But, um, but right. But I'm saying is he could choose to interpret that how he wanted, and he decided that. And I agree with you because that's sort of the overarching again theme of the show. Um, that he decides that he could have pulled the plug on her, but he's going to let her live with her memories and her suffering, and let her continue to evolve and change, the same way he has chosen to continue to live, you know, and would and. If had if he had a choice, he would continue to have the the pain and suffering of his uh, son's death because that's all he has that's left of him, and and that informs who he is in a character. Or uh, to to quote the greatest thespian ever, "I want my pain, I need my pain." Um, yeah, what, what's that from? What's that from? That was uh, that was William Shatner. That was uh, in uh, I think it was Star Trek Five. Okay. So, um, because again, it's that's part of what informs who we are. The bad shit that we've been through informs us at least as much uh, as the good things. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So, yeah. So Dolores is well. It, you know what? Though, unfortunately, though, even though you know this, okay, that's great, all that. But this is just the same old, same old. If you want to look at the big picture, right? Because you know, from friggin' D- Disney films like Zootopia to uh, any a number of other. F- films or television shows i you know the rural boring 
life that you're in, blah, blah, blah. I want to make something more of myself. And, and it's almost like Hollywood implying that, that, you know, small town USA is crapola. And the only way, place that's good is if you, you know, head to the big city and try to be a mover and shaker and blah, blah, blah. And that's the only way you can change the world. And which is fine, but, and, and, and it's probably a valid point as a matter of fact, but isn't that just the same? trope over and over and over as christy peterson schoonover would say one of our co-hosts from dark discussion there's only five stories that anybody can write about and one of them is maybe is this and and unfortunately doesn't that get old after a while and is westworld going that way but with robots yeah we'll see let's hope not yeah let's it's, hope it's, not. it's all about what what's the spin they put on it right right yeah so if they do something original you can get away with one of those quote unquote five storylines. So hopefully they, if they do go that route, at least it'll be something interesting and not the same old, same old. As Eric said, let's hope not otherwise. Oh, I just got my uh, Westworld insider uh, newsletter. Oh, very good. <laughs> I didn't realize such a thing existed. It says, Dear Westworld Insider, here at Westworld, we are constantly striving to improve the guest experience to best cater to your every desire. Oh, God. As part of this commitment, some of our great minds at Delos spoke directly to the public at a Facebook town hall. <laughs> finally, finally, I'm pleased to welcome a new villain to the park, Wyatt. Despite his soft rollout, we've seen a spike in guests signing up for this advanced bounty hunt storyline. We encourage you to explore this narrative should you be up to the challenge. So okay. yeah, if you if you go to the uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to the website and you you, you give you know in the the Westworld website and put in your email, you get the 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 weekly newsletter. But it's all done with the you know the facade of being actually Westworld. Yeah. Sure, it. sure. Yeah, and and they still have that map where I'm sure they have new things on the map, Mike. Probably they've disclosed more areas. Right. Mm. Uh, Python Pass. Look at the stars. Um, you know what's interesting um, about this scene? Uh, the I guess the Marsden scene when he gets killed, and uh, and, the, and the girl she flees and she doesn't get killed, probably because maybe she is a human, Mike. And you're right. Um, I'm curious about her character because she's not listed in either the recurring role or the main cast on Wikipedia. Not that Wikipedia. Is 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 a valid source in many cases, but uh, I, don't, I I'm curious if that was just left off or she's just a extra for you know one or two episode type of thing because then then that would kind of set things back what we're talking about if she is just a minor role for this past episode because then suddenly um, what was the whole point? except that we saw these kooks kill Marsden's character. Yeah, well, there's a whole bunch of stuff that better get come to the point pretty soon because um, it seems to me they're just adding more storylines and stretching this out and making it more complicated um, without explaining anything, and that could get very annoying very quickly. And and we did not get any answer to the, the oil well church type thing that we saw at the end of episode two. Right. Yeah, I think this is the frustrating part is that they introduced some new things in the last episode, the church, this new storyline, and they kind of stalled on it. 
And I think it's – I'm hoping that it's simply because they want to give every one of their main characters a highlight in the first three episodes, like their own little mini arc. Mm-hmm. And I think they've done that. I don't know and anyone else. Get down to business. Yeah, I don't know of anyone else, else of significance uh, of like the named characters that have that have not gotten something. And so maybe now we can move ahead. And you know, this this is, I think, a small misstep, a misstep, but a small one, and not one they can't recover from. But yeah, they, they really have to. It, there has to be dramatic movement forward in the next sometime in the next two episodes. I would say. Yeah, you said by episode five is your opinion, Mike, that something major should happen. That isn't confusing. Right. Like the last thing we want is to have them have the robots coming online and being aware and starting to kill guests at the end of episode 10. Well, yeah, at the same time, I think that might be out of that route. Yeah, well, I'm not. That's why I said it's the last thing we want. I didn't say Uh, it. I didn't say it's (laughs) never going to (laughs) happen. Right. Yeah, maybe they're going to spend all 10 episodes in season one setting it up and then uh, count on us coming back for season two to to see the rebellion. Let's hope uh, not. Uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to bring you all down with that thought. No, I mean, yeah, we're just, <laughs> just throwing stuff out. And, 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 and to be honest, um, I, you know, I even threw out that I was, I'm seeing some typical tropes so you know, that's it. It it's something to consider. So mm-hmm. you know these these downer things. Yep. Uh, um. Yeah. So, but but you know what? Uh, the critics liked the episode. Uh, it got like eight out of ten by twenty two critics on Rotten Tomatoes. So. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it was my least favorite so far. Uh, let's hope we get back into the swing of things next week. Indeed. Admittedly, this is out of three. There could be much worse waiting for us in the future. <laughs> true. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, I mean, if if this is going to be a long running show, um, we'll expect it'll probably be worse. I mean, you know, even Game of Thrones, we, we get a, a lemon, you know, every every year that could even easily easily be considered the worst of the year so or, or the or this whole series so um just be prepared just be prepared. well it's a, you got it you got well first of all let's consider that this is a show that had a troubled production history yeah yeah um, that's, that's really true yeah and so this could be one of the the signs of it you know is that they yeah well there, there's that they can only fix it up so much um then number two, this is still a show in its in its infancy. It's got three episodes. Even though people like uh, Jonathan Nolan are now experienced show developers and showrunners, um, they're still figuring out what works and what doesn't work on the show. And one of the risks for something like this, where they film the entire thing and then let it drop, um, is that they don't have time to gauge audience reaction until after everything is out there and find out, oh, this character is, you know, the one that they really like, or that character is one the audience has no interest in, and maybe we shouldn't have devoted the last seventy-five percent of the storyline to that character. Right. Mm. 
Um, you know, there, there are certain characters, I'll go back with The Walking Dead, there are certain characters on The Walking Dead that they mishandled badly, and the audience couldn't stand them, and even though they had big plans for the characters, they killed them off, because they, well, they just done too much damage to salvage. And here's the interesting thing, is that this is just a, uh, a fundamental shift in the way TV is being produced currently, uh, compared to the way it's been produced in the past, whereas... In the past, with your sitcoms and everything like that, it was very episodic, right? Uh, you could tune into Friends, uh, and something funny would happen, and you didn't have to know what happened last week, and you didn't care what was going to happen next week. Uh, whereas now we've got these, just because of the way things have changed, uh, as far as distribution channels go with television series, you can have places like HBO uh, and FX and the other cable channels making these uh, grand sweeping plot arcs that go across an entire season uh, because people can can access them and binge watch them uh, and not lose track of the story. That being said, uh, you gotta kind of figure out, you gotta roll the dice to figure out what's gonna hit with the audience and come up with your plot beforehand. Um, and if you aim wrong, you're kind of screwed. Well, I, I would suggest, um, I would recommend, uh, and I've recommended him in the past on the website, uh, Birth Movies Death, mm-hmm. uh, is a critic, uh, who goes by the, the, the handle Critic Hulk or Film Critic Hulk. Um, and he's got an annoying hook, writing hook that he basically writes in Hulk voice. That could get annoying, yeah. Which uh, which does get a little annoying, but he, I think he has real. He is a professional in the industry. He knows how scripts are are written, and I think he has very good analysis on why stories work and don't work. And he just published something a couple of days ago that kind of ripped into uh, Luke Cage, which we talked about a little bit on the Dark Discussions podcast. Mm-hmm. And he's sort of lamenting the death of episodic television, not in terms of, um. You know, your Brady Bunch episodes. Right. But just the idea of, and he points out, even Breaking Bad, most of those episodes still had a self-contained beginning, middle, and end. Uh-huh. They fit in a larger arc, but the episode itself still stood on its own. Right. And he points out that Luke Cage, every episode, you know, there, there were a lot of episodes that they just ran one into the other with no sense as to where to stop or where to start. And there wasn't really a beginning, middle, or end in a lot of the episodes themselves. One of the few he cited was the basically the origin story episode, which was like episode four, uh-huh. which many people cite as the best episode in the series. Okay. Um, and so I think you you get to this here, which is it's a delicate balancing act that there's some some of them still trying to figure out, which mm-hmm. is how much do we put do we do we write for the grand arc? In other words, how much are we writing a ten hour movie that we're chopping up into ten parts? versus that we're tailing 10 stories that will link together. And this is the difficulty. I think there have been a story and having the bookends of with Bernard and Dolores helps, you know, through a thematic closure to each episode and saying what it's trying to go for. Mm-hmm. But it's maybe not strong enough, right, that we're You, you understand each- the point I'm making, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, but, you know, as you talk about people binge watching, but not everybody binge watches, certainly don't, or, or they don't necessarily binge watch the entire thing in one shot. So, well, w- w- one thing that's okay, in my opinion, about these, um, non episodic ones, 
you know, like X Files, for example, where they had the Monster of the Week or whatever, um, is is that you know, like Eric said, since a lot of this, whether it's like Westworld or Game of Thrones, where it's one a new episode each week, but they then save it so you can go back and watch it at any time you want. So in theory, you can binge watch the first three episodes just as you can binge watch the first three episodes of Westworld. Um, and same with Netflix or any of those shows. But yeah, I mean, regular TV, like for example, um, uh, Blind Spot, I was watching for a while, or, or The Strain, I was watching for a while. Um, and and you know, if you miss an episode, you're fucked because mm-hmm. it's 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 linear story. It's not um, you know Monster of the Week stories necessarily. So you get lost and it's it's you know it's a, it's a problem versus say X Files you could just jump in at, at any point even if you miss five episodes it really isn't that significant because it's the monster of the week right um, yeah and that's kind of the point I'm making here which is that they have this Westworld project right that okay the original story robot goes berserk all robots start going berserk trying to kill the guests um, so now that instead of an hour and a half they're trying to fill out ten hours right. So they've got to stretch it out a little bit more and add a little bit more and try and figure out what story they're going to tell to get from point A to point B. And my point is they had to make that decision before any of it aired. They don't have a chance to adjust to audience feedback when they're doing a large season-long story arc like that. Uh, Whereas in something like The X-Files, you know, uh, like when the uh, when the four horsemen characters showed up in that series, uh, people freaking loved them. Thought they were hilarious, uh, and so they're like, "Well, okay, we'll write more episodes where they show up because people like them." And they don't have a chance to react like that in a series like that, or like Westworld rather. And that's the point I was trying to make. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, if we go back to this episode here and the scene where Dolores. Uh, goes home. Um, I, I was curious a couple of things. Uh, one th- was she pulls out the magnum or whatever type of gun it was from the stack of hay. And earlier we see that she looks in the drawer where she had put it in last episode and it's not there anymore. So did, did do you think that it was intentionally put by her in the hay because she knew because of the flashbacks that she was yes. going to get thrown into the hay. Okay, so you do that. that. Now, but what apparently if, she did it in the type of fugue state because she didn't remember doing it. Right, because she keeps on getting reprogrammed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and but but she gets flashbacks uh, similar to the Sandy Newton character. Um, now, what about um, the blonde guy that that was going to rape her? That you know they approached her in the city in the town and they were going to take her away and rape her. Um, and those guys eventually re-show up at the barn to kill her father and, and mother mm-hmm. and go bonkers. Was the blonde guy a human that just happened to join up with? You know, I was trying to figure that one out myself. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, that's what I haven't figured. Because he's the one that says, I, let me try, let's go over something a little easier, right? Right, yeah. So, and that's something I've been trying to figure out. Um, because she sees him in one of her mental loops, right? She sees her, him shoot her. 
And then she realizes she has to change her action to avoid that fate. So it implies that she did it before. Actually, I don't even know if it was. I don't was think the, that that was him. That was that was another of the. Was that a different guy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my assumption was the guy who said, "Let's, you know, I wanted something. Let, let's go with something easier." My assumption is that he was human. Okay. I did too, because uh, because he acted like um, the characters in the first episode. You know, the husband and wife that were like kind of like I don't. We, we should just go back to town, and you know, um, and you know the guy. That, so I, I don't know. I, he didn't seem like he was from that world. So I, I would agree with you, Mike. Um, well, again, that goes back to it'd be so much nicer if they could have little tags to identify who's human and who's not. That's true. Yeah. Um, now I understand that's part of the part of it, and you wouldn't have had that little reveal in the first episode to find out that the Ed Harris character was in fact the human, and yep. James Marsden was the robot. But that that's a small sacrifice for our, I, I think a long term. Uh, more uh, and, better narrative clarity, and they could have got away with that anyway because they have a line later in, in the series that says, "Oh, the Ed Harris character can can do whatever he wants." Right. Well, they even had. Well, there's that, and that, and also if you didn't hadn't been told yet because we're still. Oh, that was like within the first fifteen minutes of the episode, right? Yeah. So they could have had something that was not because you wouldn't want something obtrusive like a bright neon green armband. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's right. You would want yeah. something that, though, that would that would say telltale sign to anyone in the park. Right. Yeah, not and, for us, the audience, because we're introduced to him at first, but then after 15 minutes, we now know, okay, anybody who has that is a human. Yeah, anyone who wears that has that little shiny badge on the top on their, their hat or whatever. Or maybe like in the clothes they set them up with some type of, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, Boy Scout type of badge sewn on or something. Uh, yeah, something, anything that we could use to readily identify them if we're looking or if we want to pause the TV and look for it and we could say, okay, no, they were human. No, they were not human. So yeah, and that's getting back to the same issue. Um, but maybe this is something where they want us to, to be confused. They want that this is, maybe this is part of their point. I don't think it's, uh, a, necessarily a smart move on their part, but they're not paying me millions of dollars to make these TV shows. <laughs> I, and I'd perfectly be willing to do it for far less money, just just to be clear. <laughs> no, that's true. That's fair. Um, so yeah, I don't know. But uh, any any other scenes that we missed of significance that we wanted to bring up? Um, anything? Uh, that, I think we pretty much covered yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, Eric, did you want to? Say anything else about the the preview? Uh, there wasn't a whole lot there. It flashes by pretty quick. That was the one. That was the main thing in the, that impacted me was that line drop from uh, Doctor Ford. Uh, so apparently, uh, whether he's referring to the robots becoming sentient or not, clearly he has an agenda, and he's getting pissed off at somebody trying to prevent him from achieving his agenda. Well, that's something we didn't consider, which is the idea that, or if we had considered, I don't know if we've directly voiced it, which is that you have the possibility of a saboteur, and we're pretty clear that Ford is doing his own thing. So to what degree are these two working at cross-purposes? 
Right. And right. I'm thinking I'm thinking it's either going to be the English dude that wasn't in this episode, but I'm thinking it's going to be more likely it's going to be the Jeffrey Wright character because of how Anthony Hopkins slapped him down hard by bringing up his son. But well, uh, I think it's more likely to be uh the writer guy. Um cuz he was clearly butthurt when Ford shot down his storyline. And so since Ford has his storyline that he's trying to put in his place, uh, I could see the other guy trying to poke holes in it and create trouble um, to get his his a storyline of his active instead. Yeah, I mean, it, it could go that way, um, no doubt about it. Um, because the question is, is he the character by character that is a wimp and will back down and just grumble behind his back like he's already done? Uh, to the the Colin woman about Ford, or is he gonna do his rebellion and say, you know, you should retire, get out of here, and then get hammered down by Ford? So if they go that route, um, it could be uh, that for sure, Eric. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll figure it out. I mean, it's gonna be, it's definitely gonna be one of five characters, right? It has, it's, there's only. There's only the security guard, there's the techie girl, there's the English guy, there's Colin, and there's, there's Wright, and that's it, besides mm-hmm. Ford, that, that we've been introduced to um, as part of the, the company or operations. So, I think it'll turn out to be the drunk prospector. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know at this point. It's, it's way too early. There's not enough information. Yeah, and, and we've, we found out, Eric, in prior episodes – that, uh, or I should say prior previews, the previews are, aren't talking necessarily about next week because there's still the Thandy Newton character from two... Uh, uh, that's three, a good point, Phil. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be next week. Yeah. But in the, the future. Yeah, because yeah, the Thandy Newton character says something in a preview where she says, I've died hundreds of times. Let me see how many times you can die. Uh-huh. And that hasn't happened yet in any of the episodes yet they they showed it three weeks ago as coming coming soon right Mm -hmm. so all right so uh, that's pretty much it then uh we we pretty much wrapped this episode up the stray uh we all agree that it's the weakest episode uh not exactly sure why it's the weakest episode i mean uh mike uh, argued that it's not necessarily neil marshall um, I made a point that Jonathan Nolan didn't write this episode. Maybe that could be it. Uh, or it could be just a number of factors, like Mike said, which is there were production issues um, earlier and they had to rework stuff. Or what you said, Eric, simply, which is um, they, you know, the example you did with the Four Horsemen from X-Files where, you know, they in binging and all that stuff where they, you know. Whatever. So it's already also, written. They don't have an chance yeah. to adjust it. Yeah. Well, the problem is this is like, you know, the old episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Every now and then you still had to have a Troy episode. <laughs> right. And, you know, this is this is an episode where they just dealt with the less interesting characters and had less interesting storylines and moved the plot forward. You know, and hopefully that'll pay off down the road. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, some of the the things we saw in this episode will were Easter eggs or things that will flash forward that and mean something in future episodes. Because otherwise, um, 
um, it, it was, would, we would all agree that it was one of the, the probably going to be one of the weaker episodes this season. So, um, all right. So uh, that's uh, the episode of uh, Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast. Uh, next week is uh, an interesting titled one called The Sonance Theory. The Sonance Theory, and whatever that means, or Dissonance Theories, I'm sorry, D-I-S. Dissonance. Oh, that's how you pronounce it. How about that? How about that? It's one of those words. I haven't seen it, but sounds like you're trying to come out with that there. It it actually makes sense. That's a word that I've never, ever, honestly, ever seen written down, even though I've heard the word numerous times. Isn't that weird? It's it's used a lot in music, so I'm familiar with it. No, okay, there you go. Uh, It's directed by... A guy named Vicenzo Natale. Um, Vicenzo Natale is the director of uh, The Cube and Splice. Oh, oh, there you go. Okay. Okay, good, good. All right, there you go. Um, and it is written by Jonathan Nolan and a guy named Ed Brubaker. Uh, Ed Brubaker, he is known for writing superhero comics such as Batman, Daredevil, Captain America, Catwoman, X-Men, and the authority. Um, so that's interesting. American comic book writer and cartoonist. So they brought him in to uh, co-write the next episode. Well, if they can put Batman into Westworld, I'm sold. Well, I wouldn't watch it ever again. That's, that's stupid. Yeah. So anyway, uh, let's uh, wrap it up. So uh, make sure to check us out, ne- out next week. Uh, we'll, we'll have a new episode in... Uh, next Tuesday or Thursday, uh, not Tuesday, sorry, Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, <laughs> I guess I Wednesday know. comes after Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. And uh, for any folks that are in the New England area, uh, Eastern New York area, or uh, Eastern Canadian Canada, uh, that are able to make it to Haverhill, Massachusetts, I will be there along with uh, some very famous authors uh, trying to sell some books at the Haverhill Library in Massachusetts. Uh, Ten. To four, ten to five, um, or or ten to four actually, uh, Saturday the twenty second. So very well. Okay, so uh, with all that stated, Eric, why don't you get this out? All right, thanks for tuning in to listen to Bulls, Brothels, and Bots. Come back next week. We'll have another episode. Mm-hmm.